0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Mind Your Marketing Podcast. Today on the show, I am sitting with Kara Shaper from Dexter Russell, a brand that has a ton of history, a ton of weight in the industry, in the cooking industry. What they do, they produce chef knives and knives for kitchens. This was a great interview because... What Kara has had to do now is take an old brand and really bring it into 2022. How do they tighten their story? How do they make their story attractive to new chefs, kitchen managers, etc. Entering the space? I loved talking with Kara because it was really interesting to hear about you know a brand that has so much history and how they tell that story today. How do they make it appealing? So. If you are working for an iconic brand or a brand with a lot of history and you want to package that history up and tell it to the new generation of consumers, this is going to be the episode for you. But before we get into that, as always, this show is put on by Cave, a marketing agency based out of Los Angeles, and I am your host, Jordan Shelton. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Oh, what's shaking and baking, my marketing people? Welcome to another episode of the show. Today, joining me is the VP of Marketing from Dexter Russell, Kara Schaefer. Kara, how are you doing?
1: Great. Thank you for having me.
0: I am excited to have you on and talk all things Dexter Russell, a company with a lot of history, but that is in the midst of, I guess, redefining itself or tightening the story or expanding the story. We'll get into it. (laughs) Before we do that, though, I want to hear your story. How did you get into this crazy world of marketing and find your way to Dexter Russell?
1: Sure. Again, thanks for having me. I've worked for some really interesting companies, and the first one was called New Era Cap, and they make like licensed headwear. But they were a great place to start my journey in marketing because they were so insight-driven. I joined there a few years after the major league sports team started allowing flexibility in their marks. So historically, if you wanted a Yankees cap, it had to be team colors. And then Spike Lee requested a red Yankees cap, and that spurred this whole fashion revolution. And I was at Nuera right after that happened. So Nuera was all about mass customization and personalization and inside driven product innovation and how we meet this great demand now for variety and fashion. So that's where i started and it really started this foundation for me of insight driven innovation from new era i went to hasbro which is again a company that is hugely focused on consumer insights and it's hugely focused on innovation and storytelling i was there for 11 years i managed a bunch of brands including nerf and super soaker and again we really just learned how to focus on insight driven innovation An example would be when I was working on Nerf, we wanted to appeal to girls. And as we were looking at how best to position Nerf to girls, we realized that Hunger Games, the movie was coming out. And that obviously had the potential to be a huge blockbuster because the book had been successful. So we're able to really tie into pop culture and launch a brand of bow-targeted blasters that kind of epitomize Katniss. And that message of strong female empowerment enable us to take the brand from a very small percentage of girls to really bringing them into the franchise. And we did that, one, by tailoring the product from blasters to bows, just like Katniss, two, advertising during the movie, just really everything we did was, had similar message. And it was a huge pop culture moment that we tapped into. And so that again was a great learning for me on how to appeal to people by being relevant in terms of what's going on in the world. Now, from that, you know, two areas I was passionate about sports and fashion. Now I'm in a food related business. And again, I love working in fields, you know, that everyone's passionate about that are relevant to their lives. And so Dexter Russell Cutlery makes knives for professionals in food service. We're the largest manufacturer of professional cutlery in America. And it's all about equipping the people in restaurants, equipping the people with, in processing plants to make food for us. So it's super fun. The company has been around for 200 years, and historically, it's really focused on sales and manufacturing, but they haven't focused as much on marketing. So that's really what appealed to me, is that on the one hand, it's a successful, established company, but on the other hand, it's a blank slate for marketing. So from a marketing standpoint, it's really fun.
0: I love that, right? I love this one, Dexter Russell, the opportunity it presents when you're like, this company is so rich with history, been around since eighteen eighteen. But then two, there's so much left to be written from a story perspective and how to kind of, you know, take the company into twenty twenty two with storytelling online and how do you do that within the core of the company and the core of the story, but also expanding it and doing new things. I, I think that is amazing. I also wanted to just do a little shout out to the work at Nerf and actually not only tapping into contemporary culture and what's going on, but then having the product curtailed towards it. I think that is fantastic and something that we sometimes think is only reserved for massive companies, but small customization on your product, even if you're just a small retailer, those types of things can go a long way in speaking and tapping into the customers, really their psychology and where they're at with regards to purchasing. So I love that. Now, talk to me today. You're at Dexter Russell. You walk in. Actually, let's not go today. Let's go back to day one, all right? You walk in the door. (laughs) You walk in the door. You've just done, you know, you really cut your teeth at Hasbro. You've got this, like, a big experience there, this massive company. And you walk in, and now, instead of thousands of employees, there's a couple hundred. Instead of, I bet you, a bunch of marketing departments and different product lines and everything, how many marketers are at Dexter Russell? 10. 10. Okay, so... You walk in and it's like, okay, where do you start one? What are some things that you realize right away? Like, oh, this is like, you know, this company's been around for a while. has They're established, but there's some startup vibes here. And like, w- what experience were you able to take, you know, from Hasbro to kind of be like, oh, we could implement this here and give a little bit of structure. Like walk me through that first maybe 90 days or six months of, was it much more fast paced? What, what was going on?
1: Yeah. Well, one thing I noticed right away is that the people at Dexter are super passionate about Dexter. And I'm not just saying that. Most of them have been there for, I mean, the average tenure must be 20 years. You know, if you walk in the manufacturing plant, there's a lot of relatives. It's a really tight knit family. And people take how they manufacture knives, how they craft knives very, very seriously. So there certainly is an element of respecting the process. Like people just bleed Dexter blue. They're very fanatical and passionate about the craft of knife making. I think because of that, sometimes our communication is really tailored towards that because we're so passionate about it, right? And so my goal was kind of to make it, how can we make our storytelling a little more relatable to our audience? So yes, the fact that we've been manufacturing knives for 200 years in America is amazing. But to really reach consumers or end users on an emotional level, we need to also relate a little bit more to their lifestyle versus just us. And I think that was understood prior to my arrival by the CEO, but my job is kind of to take that storytelling to the next level. So then the first thing I really focused on is, okay, there's a lot of great aspects of this company, but what is the story we want to tell? And so we really focused on talking more to our end users and a day in their lives as they use our knives. And what we've learned about our audience, our end users, is that kitchens and food service jobs have a lot of organized chaos. We were told that, hey, these jobs are not for the faint of heart, right? Kitchens are high energy and they're gritty and there's a ton of multitasking, there's a lot going on. And the people that choose those jobs really thrive on all of that. And they're focused on getting the job done and efficiency and they're resilient. And we found that the reason why they love our knives, and our knives really are widely distributed in professional kitchens. If you work in a professional kitchen, you're going to know our brand. But the reason why they love our knives is because we kind of help them create magic from the madness. You know, our whole message is like, hey, embrace the chaos. Like we understand how chaotic the kitchen is. And our knives are durable and reliable and they perform and they're sharp and they help you get your job done. And so we realized there was really a parallel between our knives in terms of their performance, resilience, durability, and the people that use our knives. It's kind of that same mentality of just get that job done, you know, create excellence, respect the craft. And so that's kind of the emotional story that we're starting to tell now. So we're in the middle of a rebrand. We'll be updating our site or close a couple more months, but we want to start talking to end users in that way, not just made in America since 1818. So it's all about establishing that emotional connection.
0: I love that and tapping into anyone who's worked in a kitchen before knows that feeling of, oh, we just had a couple send backs. There's 10 chits in line and our expo called in sick. So now the kid, the manager, he's expoing food. And you just need your tools to work at that point. And like, hey, I'm going to power through. I got X in front of me and you're just head down, go, go, go. And you can't afford to have a faulty tool, right? I love that putting yourself in that mindset of, hey, that's our customer, right? There needs to be a trust factor when, of course, when things are slow, yeah, take your time, whatever. But that chaos, the dinner rush, when that's coming on, like you don't have to second guess the tool is going to work. It's going to be there. And you know, you're know you going to be able to affordably outfit your kitchen also in your kitchen staff, which I think is another big part of when we look at a restaurant business and the amount of understanding that that kitchen manager or the chef, like margins are part of the game. Anyone who's worked in restaurants knows it's like, we need to understand our already, a lot of times on extremely thin margins with food, that that makes it like, we can't afford food waste. We can't afford to have bad equipment, messing up dishes. Like all of those things start to matter. So I love taking that step away and say the knives, they're really the tool that makes the person the all-star in the back, right? And focusing on that person and their problem. So I love that. In doing that rebrand and going through and figuring that out, did you all like just start going into kitchens and interviewing people? Like, how did you start to hear our story?
1: Yeah, you know, our sales force has a ton of connections, so they set us up with customers to interview, and they some of those customers let us visit them in their kitchens, so we could really see our knives in action in their world, and it was super helpful.
0: Oh, I love that! And there's some other lesson here too, right? Of going from and anybody can take any listener looking at what are the ways you can tell your story and shifting it from product features to customer enablement and community. And what is, how do you serve the community and customer enablement? And the story almost takes care of itself at that point. (laughs) Um, So I love that. Are Are there any channels that you are all throughout the rebrand now are focusing on? Is it a PR push? Is it, hey, is it TV? Is it display? Is it email, social? Like what's the growth channel from a marketing perspective as you move forward?
1: Web now, as we focus on our web rebranding, but to your point of community involvement, I think that's a good example of how we can bring this to life. So this year we partnered with a group called Mercy Chefs and Mercy Chefs are focused on disaster relief. And so this year, I went down right after Hurricane Ida to watch the Mercy Chefs use our knives in action. And I actually saw them right after the disaster, set up a kitchen and trailers in a church parking lot that could feed 20,000 people a day. And so, and the Mercy Chefs are incredible. They are completely focused on nourishing people impacted by tragedy. But seeing our knives perform and hearing these chefs say, hey, you know, we have a ton of logistical things to handle. We need knives that perform. Like we're giving these knives to volunteer. We need these knives to chop vegetables for 12,000 salads a day. And so we really appreciate your product. Like it's durable. The grips are non-slip, which is helpful with volunteers. Things stay sharp. We don't need to worry about sharpening them. All of that just kind of, to me, epitomize the value of our brand. And we want to go in pass like that where we're making a difference. We do have celebrity chefs, but they tend to be people that organically use our brand anyway, you know, based on their history as a chef. But to reach people marketing-wise, we want to partner with organizations that are making a difference, that really speak to our values, not just going for like the latest chef at a trendy restaurant. It's about much more than that to us.
0: I love that because frankly speaking, consumers are tired of brands doing the performative stuff. They want to know like, what are you really about? what do you really stand for? What are the values and are you living them? And do you support the community or do you only support the community when it's advantageous to make a couple bucks? Like consumers are so savvy in every industry. So I love when I hear about companies that are like, hey, we're outfitting these chefs and like, go, they're doing this thing, they're doing something and they're also like, they're doing something that's just good for people. And hey, that ends up right, all ships rise when that tide comes in. So I absolutely, absolutely love that. Now, I do wanna talk a little bit and kind of shift now, when we talk about marketing and you're doing that, I wanna bring up this topic of structure and flexibility. And how do you balance both? at the stage that Dexter and Russell is at, and maybe elaborate on on both of those when you you look at where this company's at. Because I think a lot more companies are at what I would call, I don't want to say this level, but this phase of like, you're not a startup, you have defined sales, you have a team, you know, medium-sized business. It's a proper business. It's not like, oh, we raised a bunch of money and we're going to run out in a month. And we, no, there's an operating business, but we're also not GE with, you know, and like with, with the craziest brand restrictions and everything. So walk me through how you all balance that.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say that's one of my biggest challenges. It's something we talk about all the time because I'm coming from Hasbro. And at Hasbro, there was definitely a shared belief system in terms of how to get things done, in terms of project management was very buttoned up, how much time we're spending on innovation, how to brief an agency, like how to evaluate the competition. There are processes in place for all of that. And to some extent, there might be a little more red tape, right? And layers of approvals. Like there's a trade-off between agility and structure that I, I'm still working with at Dexter. At Dexter, I came in and I was kind of like, all right, where's the agency brief? Where's the packaging brief? Where's my digital asset library of copy and images? And that stuff hadn't been developed yet. And so, you know, it's interesting to me, my challenge is to keep that nimbleness that Dexter has and that passion and just the ability to have that entrepreneurial feel. We really value. That's how we get stuff done. At the same time, coming from a larger company, there are certain processes that I've tried to bring from a project management standpoint or just from a benchmark or milestone standpoint, just to kind of help guide us and make sure we're all in the same direction. I mean, so for marketing, you know, the first thing I did was execute market research. The second thing I did was, hey, let's get a brand style guide. And once we have the style guide, we can go in different directions for video or print, etc. But we need to make sure that we're all on the same page on that SMI, the single most important message and how we're communicating it. Like, so some of that, it's some of the structure I'm trying to bring without getting bogged down so much that it just takes too long to get stuff done. We don't want to lose our entrepreneurial spirit because that enables us to be responsive.
0: I love it. And it's, I think, building the systems and having people work within the system, but giving them, mm. like what I always tell my team, right? And like the create, I'm like, look, you guys don't like this, but it's my job to build the box for you to play in. You're the creatives. And people say, think outside the box. No, no, no. I'm creating the box. And the (laughs) box is, you can't use the logo upside down and at a 45 degree angle. And here's our approved images. But also, here's our system for like getting memes out the door. And then people go, oh, okay, cool. And they can have their creativity within the box. And that's how, it doesn't sound fun. Maybe to anyone who's listening, but that's the reality of when you start to get into brand social, right? Is like, we have to have some structure. This isn't just freewheeling, but we also want to be reactive. Be able to do it, so it's yeah, I, I think that agility is uh attractive when you're looking at you know being able to work under brands because okay, I, <laughs> you might you'll like this. Like we said, it we worked with a, a bank a few years ago, Fortune 500 bank, right? That I can't legally say who it was, net, of course, but I'll just say this. It took four months to get a tweet approved. And I was just like, I came out of that whole process, the contract. I'm like, that's not a fit for us. I have no interest in that. I have no interest in 27 approvals and lawyers thinking that they're going to, that they're writers again. And I'm just like, I, this is all not fun for me. So, (laughs) um, I completely
1: agree. There's no need to fill out forms in triplicate. Like, let's get it done.
0: So I love the fact that y'all are embracing the agility, but putting a little structure in now. For anybody who's listening and wants to check out Dexter Russell, where should they head?
1: Our website is Dexter1818.com. But just keep in mind, we are in the middle of a rebrand. So it'll continue to get better as you check it out.
0: Amazing. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And I'll also put a link to Kara's LinkedIn in the show notes page too, so you can go and connect with her. Thank you so much for coming on today. This was awesome.
1: Thank you. Take care.
0: All right, everybody. That's it for this episode. As always, I'm your host, Jordan Shelton, and I'll catch you next time.